Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is, as you know, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering questions, Bible questions, life questions. Today you can answer or ask and get answered Paula questions. Whatever's on your heart, you just have to call us 210-340-9585. If you are outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And if you are driving in your car, I remind you every day the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app just at the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. Now, before I turn this over to Paula, um, quick program announcement. We will not be live tomorrow because it's the a national holiday, Veterans Day. So we will have a repeat broadcast on, and I'll be back, Lord willing, on Monday live in the program. But have a wonderful holiday, and tomorrow, remember, um, if you know a veteran, if you run into a veteran, tell them thank you. Thank you for their service. Thank you for their faithfulness. Um, thank you for allowing us to live in the country that we live in. Veterans Day tomorrow, November the 11th. I got somebody buzzing up here. I got Maria on line one from San Antonio. So, Paula, before I even introduce you, Maria, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Hi. Uh, God bless you. Thank uh, you. I have a question. Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit... When you receive the Holy Spirit and speaking of tongues is one thing. Now, the anointing, is that a different thing? When you receive the anointing? Yeah, no, no, Maria. The the anointing, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who provides the anointing. Now, the anointing is just being empowered by the Spirit. So when you receive the gift of tongues, um, that's just exercising by faith a gift given you. Uh, from the Lord, when you when you are are saved, when you're born again, the Spirit comes to live within you, and uh, you're you're given a seal, a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance, and you belong to the Lord. Now, in order for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon you, it requires obedience. I just started Maria in Acts chapter one last week, and I'm going to be doing it again in Acts chapter one, the rest of the chapter, talking about this very thing in church on Sunday. So the the um, anointing of the Spirit—that's just the Spirit coming upon you. I think sometimes we have the wrong impression of the anointing, like it only happens to certain people at certain times. Every time you are obedient, walking in the will of God and for the glory of God, you have that anointing of God on your life. One other comment here, Maria, if in fact um, you have the the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that you will speak in tongues. You, you, You can, but not everybody does. 
So the signs um, of of being filled with the Spirit are obedience, um, a changed heart, a changed life, and most of all, Maria love. Mm-hmm. That's the single evidence of the Holy Spirit is love, and then other gifts will accompany that. Does that make sense, Maria? Yes, sir, it does. Okay. Thank you, Maria. God bless. Paula, welcome to the show. I'm going to be talking about that Sunday, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's the very thing, and, and uh, you know, we've got, because of, of um, corrupt cultural practices, we have a wrong idea about all this. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the idea that somebody's anointed and I can mm-hmm. do that. No, you're anointed. Every believer is anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we can do is quench the power of the Holy Spirit if, in fact, we're not being obedient to what the Lord wants us to do. So the single evidence mm-hmm. of being filled with the Holy Spirit, being anointed, being baptized in the Spirit, mm-hmm. whatever term you want to use, mm-hmm. is love. Yeah. And I think we need to remember that. Yeah, I, I was saved 13 years, and I went to this church with you after you got saved, and they said, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. I was saved 13 years already. <laughs> Hello. But anyway, yeah. But, so. sure, but, the, but the devil sure used that. I mean, oh scared you. Yeah. And, and I'm a brand new Christian. Mm-hmm. So when you asked me, is that true? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I looked around and we were in a big building. I said, mm-hmm. looks like they know more than I do. Ask mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And and they, they actually brought you into a room. Yeah. And I waited for you outside. And you came out looking like you'd been terrified. Yeah. I was not only uh, afraid. I was disappointed. I was I was just, I was angry. Yeah. You know, they, and I ended up lying because I didn't speak in tongues. But in order to let this lady, big, strong lady holding both of my hands, like, when my, she let go of my hands, because I said, yabba dabba do or something like that, just made up something, and I had prayed to the Lord, i got to say something, Lord, i got to get out of here, because I'm about to about to lose it, you know, and uh, she, I said, can I go now, and she gave the nod to the two big guys guarding the door, where <laughs> I was going to go out, that it was okay to let me out, yeah. oh my goodness, it was horrible. Can, can you imagine how Jesus heartbreaks or stuff like that? Yeah. And yet it happens all the time. You got to be like me. So should have bought a Honda. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what, what we need to remember is God acts decently and in order. God is a God of love. Um, he was with you for every day of those 13 years that you were staying with me when everybody said you were crazy mm-hmm. to stay with me. Mm-hmm. And yet that's uh, that's sort of the the, um, the the outlook of this world. It just you got to do this and you got to do that. Um, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a wonderful experience. It's not what you encountered. Yeah. So anyway, well, hi and welcome to me, to my show today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's it's been a fun day. Today at our normal place of breakfast on Thursday mornings, we have a new waitress. And so she says to us, is this is your bill together or separate? <laughs> that that caught me so funny. Uh huh. Is your bill? And I said separate. Uh, yeah. And she looked at me and, I, and she said, "Yeah, really, separate." Uh, uh-huh. And then Paul said, "We've been married for fifty-two years. Yeah. We've been together for 50 fifty-two years. years." Yeah. And uh, but that was so funny because everybody there knows us, of uh-huh. course, except this new new girl. First time we've ever been asked that. Yeah, first time, and she mm-hmm. says, "Well, you never know." I was like, "Well." What God has brought together, let no waitress tear <laughs> <Yeah>. apart. <laughs> That's right. I said, he's going to walk home, and he's going to have to wash dishes, too. You want to go separate? I'm like, what are yeah. you talking about? I, I wasn't thinking, because I never have any money. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And you can't drive. One time you gave me money, I put it in my pocket. I didn't know what to do. And so you went across the street to the H-E-B, where we used to live, and bought a mop or something, and because mm-hmm. I was on my way home. I can't drive, so... <laughs> Yeah, I was on my way home from a women's retreat or something, and you said, I got the $20. I got to spend it. So <laughs> you went to the store. I got and, some cleaning stuff in the yeah. mop. <laughs> and I had 17, you gave me 17 cents in change. I'll never forget it. We're going to be in the home talking it, about it, this. It's like a government, it's like a government <laughs> bill. You know, if you don't spend it all, yeah, they won't got, give you the yeah. next time you need it. So I figured I need to go and spend it. Well, Paul, you got home just in time. I was out of money. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess. I love you. So anyway, you're a crazy man. Um, 
So you were going to read a, a question yeah. oh, to me. Yeah. You said that on the radio the other day. Yeah. Here's the, this was from our email inbox from Mary the other day. And I said, you'd be the one that would really answer this. Mm. And here's the, the content. Hi, Pastor Ron. I have been lacking as a wife. My friend told me about the story of Abigail and Nabal. After hearing her out, I feel like my husband can be like Nabal. Can anyone be like Nabal? Uh, I can't respect my husband. How can I be an Abigail? Before you start, Paula, mm. when she asks, can, can anyone, anyone be like mm-hmm. Nabal? Ladies, every woman in this audience listening right now, your husband is Nabal. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're fools. Well, And in our flesh is no good thing. And, and it, the, the difference is, as for believers, uh, if we're walking in the Spirit, then great. But if we're not, we're a fool. Yeah. And so this isn't, you're not in a unique situation. Paula, yeah. I would... Yeah. Love to hear your take on this. And she said, can anyone be like Nabal? Yeah, Yeah. even women. (laughs) You know, he was uh, wealthy, surly, mean. His name means fool. And his wife, Abigail, said, folly goes with him. You know, the picture, like in those old Viking movies when they're at a feast... Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and turkey leg. Yeah, turkey leg. And mm-hmm. they're just eating foods mm-hmm. flying everywhere. That's the, that's the picture I get in my mind of Nabal. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody came close to him, like, get away from me. Yeah. You trying to take my food? This is my food. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see that picture. But wealthy guy, um, just kind of mean, selfish in his dealings. He's the one that had all the stuff, and so he's calling the shots, you know. Um, and, yeah. It, so anybody can be like that, you know. Mine mine it's all mine and you can't have it and if even if you look like you need some no get your own you know kind of a thing mm-hmm. and then so anybody can be like that and yeah, we, says, we have a lot of men who read wives submit to your husbands and read nothing else yeah. and when they do that that's nabal yeah. that, that's that's in our dna mm-hmm. um and we we don't look at the verse before which is submit to one another out mm-hmm. of reverence mm-hmm. or fear of god mm-hmm. and we certainly don't go down to verse 25 uh, in Ephesians 5, when it says the husband to love their wives the way Christ loved the church, giving mm-hmm. himself up for her. Yeah. It says, no, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we like that. And that's that's being Nabalish. Yeah. Foolish. <laughs> so anyway, can she be? Okay, so I have been lacking as wife. And sometimes when people say that, multi-ladies, lacking as wife, um, it's like if I was maybe different, he would be different. I don't know. I've been lacking as a wife. Um, and and that the last thing is I can't respect my husband. And I heard your answer saying respect is a command. Um, and there's no, um, you know, confirmation of either, either one of them being Christian. Um, I'm kind of assuming that maybe she is because she's the one sending in this question. Um, but uh, if he's acting like Nabal, as an unbeliever, that's just what he does. Paula, you hung in there for 13 years when I was um, Nabal. And um, what what sustained you during those 13 years? How did you find um, peace, the ability to, to just to go from day to day uh, when you were married to a fool? Yeah. Um, uh, I, Jesus told me how much he loved me, first off. Um, well, that's good. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. And And... The proof was he died for me, and um, if I since I belong to him, remember no longer my own. I was bought at a price. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he loved you, and would I trust him, um, and see what would happen, you know? Because you were Nabalish, but um, you weren't beating me up or anything or, or terrorizing our kids. I had no grounds for divorce is what I'm trying to say, even though I, I really wanted to divorce you just to make the pain of... Go away. Yeah, go away, of being rejected and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, she says she's lacking as a wife. You know, I feel like, I, what can I do? What can I do to fix it? Um, I was thinking, I, I can't make myself any smarter, you know, I could read something, but then I'm not like you. I'm not a great retainer. I couldn't be taller. Um, I had a great personality, so I don't know what was wrong with you. <laughs> I really didn't get it. No. Um, and you were dropped it gorgeous, so. Well, I wouldn't say all that, but thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, 
But anyway, I, I, I was thinking, what could I do? What, what, what's wrong with me? Why is he not um, still in love with me like he said he was? You know, the, the, the thrill is gone, you know, kind of. That's how, that's how the song goes. The thrill is gone. Um, so what can I do? So it, that's what it sounds like she's saying. I've been lacking as wife. Um, well, the Lord was instructing me on how to be that wife. Um, may your husbands be won over without words. Um, it's First Peter three. That's First Peter three. Um, the other one is uh, Proverbs fourteen one, and things are coming to my head as I'm talking. Uh, the wise woman builds up her house; the foolish one, with her very own hand te- hands, tears it down. And so, what ends up happening because we're so disappointed, um, we only see the faults; we don't see the good stuff. And so, the Lord had had started instructing me on, look at the good things He does. You know, he, he he reminded me, uh, you have the gift of encouragement, you know. You, you can use it at home first, you know. Um, you've always been generous. You just weren't generous with, with me. Um, you were generous with the kids, generous with the other people. You'd pull money out of your pocket and give it to anybody. But I wanted a couch, and you're like, no. You know, that kind of thing. But you were generous. You were generous. You were also neat and clean. I can... I'm really good with that one. <laughs> I'm really good with that one. And so the Lord told me, start looking for those things that I can um, encourage you with. Um, you are a good dad. I, I think you're a good dad. You made sure that the kids knew that you were um, engaged in, and excited, interested in the things they were doing, even though you kind of went overboard and kind of ruined some of the sports things <laughs> for them. But you were there. You were there. You came home every day. We didn't lack for anything. You supplied what we needed. And, okay, the Lord said, you don't have any grounds for divorce. The pain you can deal with. And so Jesus became our first husband. See, that's, I think that's the key for, for you, Mary, and for, for everybody else out there who's in a difficult marriage. Um, pa- Paula was, was in love with another man. And that just drove me crazy. She, you know, she treats me this way, but she's in love with this Jesus. And, and you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't really know anything about, about Jesus except what you had told me, and I, I wasn't listening to you. Um, but it was obvious that Jesus was the source of your joy, that Jesus was sustaining you. And that he was the one in control, and I wasn't. And that just drove me crazy. But see, that's when the Holy Spirit was able to to knock on the door of my heart. And in fact, um, um, you know, um, the only thing I knew about Jesus was that he was yours. And when I got saved, I actually called out for Paul as Jesus. Mm. And um, because I knew he was real. And um, I think for Mary and for everybody else in this situation, uh, you've got to learn to be content uh, you've got to learn that God's grace is sufficient where you are, mm-hmm. even in the middle of the pain yeah. that you experience. Yeah. The other thing, too, is, uh, you know, we say this all the time. People are the way they are for a reason. Um, and, you know, just going back with Nabal, why was Nabal the way he was? And, and why are the Nabals in our life the way they are? We take that time and ask the Lord, um, why we might get better understanding um ask Lord for wisdom and then knowledge i love the fact that um abigail was uh not only beautiful but she was intelligent um and she knew god's word you know later in the in the story she acknowledges the lord and and understands that vengeance is mine she understood that uh, the lord had promised david um that his throne would be for everlasting. He'd have family. Um, a lasting dynasty is what it said. Um, and she understood, again, that the battles belonged to the Lord. And she went to David when when the servants came to her. She said, ooh, I got to hurry and do something. And she got there just a nick of time, didn't she? Yeah, just in the nick of time. But isn't that how God works? Yeah. If we will, you know, okay, Lord, what can I do in this situation? And she got on her horse right away. She told the servants, get this together. You guys go on ahead of me. You need to hurry up and go on ahead of me, and I'll be right there. And, um, and then she, she provided what they needed. Um, and the, talking about the Holy Spirit, 
um, I remember, and this is back to you, Mary, same question. I remember being so angry one day, and the Lord said, okay, Paula, I want you to wash Ron's feet. Why do you want me to wash his feet? He should be washing my feet, you know. <laughs> He's being the jerk. He said, no, 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 no. It's my kindness that leads to repentance. And so I I was washing your feet, and it was just one of those. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Okay. But um, so she was able to say to David, when the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant. And so I was able to say to the Lord that day, when you bring success, Lord, remember me. And he says, when you obey, I'm right there, the caller for the Holy Spirit. I'm right there because I did not want to wash your feet. But when I was washing your feet, it was like Jesus was the one actually washing your feet. And he was so proud of me that I would humble myself um, and say, Lord, you're the boss of me. This is what you want me to do. It doesn't matter how I feel, what I think. I'm going to just do what you tell me to do. And, Lord, remember me. And um, he he has. And, and isn't that a great prayer, remember me? Um, Mary, for you and, and, again, for anybody else in a situation that's difficult like this, um, Paula wanted a new husband. And, and she actually spent a bunch of time, you know, Lord... Kill him, run him over, mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. That's but, in verse thirty-eight. Yeah, but but bring <laughs> bring bring me the Christian man that you have for me. Uh-huh. And uh, just like with Abigail, um, God remembered her, yeah. uh, and He killed me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Abigail, uh, Nabal's dead, and she ends up the king's wife. Yeah. And uh, in your case, Paula, um, the husband that you wanted dead was replaced with a completely new man. I know. I have that written down here. Okay, so she wants to be like Abigail. If you want to be like Abigail, you know, it says in verse 36, when Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. If he's all upset and angry, that's the last time, you know, you don't want to talk then. You don't and want to never, talk never to, talk to anybody who's drunk about yeah. anything important. Drunk, angry, yeah, yeah never. So if she waited till the morning. That's intelligence. She waited in the morning when he was sober, and then she told him all these things, you know. And we want, like, like Ron was saying, we want um, them to get it, but if they don't, the Lord knows all that already. And so it says, um, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. Sometimes they get worse, not better, you know. So, but don't be afraid. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Now, I'm not saying you want to pray that your husband dies and moves on because that's not the thing. Spiritually, that's what you can do. Absolutely, but spiritually you can. Because I used to say, Lord, kill him with the Mack truck and bring me the Christian man you have for me all along, you know. Run over him, back up, go again, make sure he's squished really dead all the way. And the Lord did exactly that. Second Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. And again, my my scripture for Ron now is, and I did not think it was going to happen. I did not, for the longest time, I did not think, um, just hanging in there. And for twelve and three quarter years, uh, the Lord would tell me every single day, just give me one more day, just give me one more day. It, it took all that time before I started to believe. It was like three months out. I was like, I told Ronnie and Tara, those are our sons. Um, I think your dad's going to get saved. I think it really, it's really going to happen. Um, but 11, Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will himself be blessed. Because he was not generous to me. He was generous to others. So in verse 41, after, after doing all of these things for the Lord in his power, because you can't do anything in your own power. You know, you might want to, even wanting to be obedient is a good thing. But obeying, doing things your way. Like when the Lord told me to wash Ron's feet, I was like, well, I'm going to wash his feet <laughs> with, that, <laughs> with the barbecue brush out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With that whole attitude. And the Lord said, no, I don't want you to do it like that. So why don't you come over here and let's, let's sit together for a little bit. And let me make you understand that I love him every 
did as much as I love you. And I went, I went how, to the how cross. Can that, how can that be? <laughs> yeah, I went to the cross for you, Paula. You are only looking at his sins and how he's treating you. You are forgetting your sins. Mistreat me, and I had to get on the cross for yours as well. Oh, well, if you put it like that, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of forgot that part. <laughs> um, but uh, after she says she bows her face to the ground and said, I am your servant. And I'm ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Are you a servant? It's hard to be a servant when you're treated like a servant, especially from a jerk. It's you see, really that's hard. when you find out where your heart really is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's when you find out. And Mary, I'm telling you, that is rough. But the Lord is the one. If you're a believer, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So put your hands down, leave your heart open, and let the Lord have his way. Mary, that ought to help. Thank you. We've had a couple questions come in for us, Paula, uh, so we'll get to those right on the other side of the break. This is the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. You're listening to AM 630 The Word. We will be back in two minutes. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Date Day Show, which is Paula's show. So 340-9585 for your calls or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. KSLR. Paula, here's an anonymous question that came in for both of us just a few minutes ago. Hi, Pastor Ron and Paula. I'd appreciate your thoughts on this family matter. Both of our parents, my wife and mine, are professing Christians. However, I see no fruit. Her parents go to church only on Sunday uh, without serving. And my parents, Sunday and Wednesday, with an occasional serving, no fruit from both sets of parents. My heart may be wrong here, but I have no desire to hang out with both sets of parents. One, they don't listen to or respect us about the Lord. Uh, And two, they don't follow scriptures. Three, we never talk about Jesus when we are with them. My wife is always about her parents and hanging out with them and feels like my parents cause trouble and is not fond of them. I say that they are the same. I can see my wife gets upset when I speak about her parents. For example, her mom sends the group, her children and grandchildren, scriptures every morning. Yesterday, she said something about serving. I responded with, Amen. It is important to serve so that God can use our spiritual gifts to edify the church. How come you and everyone else on this group chat don't serve? No one responded. My wife texted me on the side and said, You need to say, We, and not call them out. It's not loving. My wife gets upset when I call out her family. Anyone for that matter, but especially your family. In conclusion, what should we do? What should I do as her husband? Paula, I'll let you handle this, but but let me just say to to the husband, uh, who is evidently the anonymous one here, um, your your parents, her parents, uh, unless they're in sin, you have no business calling them out. Mm. I mean, why are we looking to pick a fight? Um, I, I realize that sometimes, especially young men, we get really uh, zealous for the Lord and we want them to be uh, serving on, on our standard. This is a time when you ought to be praying for them and being around them. Again, as long as there's no sin, that's important. If there's sin, you got to call them on it because they're professing Christians. They go to church. If there's sin, you got to call them out. But if there's no sin, leave them in God's hands. And then your responsibility, Paul, you said earlier that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. That's mm-hmm. what you had to learn. And and so without affirming their no serving and without affirming uh, their their lukewarm relationship in church, um, you, you simply uh, pray for them. Mm-hmm. And you let your light shine. And there's nothing attractive about somebody who's looking for an opportunity to uh, to strike back with a text or or calling them out when, in fact, they haven't done anything wrong. Is their walk the way the Lord would want them? Evidently not. 
But you see, that's between them and Jesus. That's not between you. So again, I want to draw the distinction between sin and lukewarmness or sin and, and um, um, you know, just a too casual relationship with the Lord. Uh, if there's sin, you've got to call him out. But if there's no sin, then leave him alone. And when you call somebody out, Anonymous, you always want to do that in private, face to face, so they can see that you love them. And, and what it sounds like is you and your wife have exactly the same attitude towards at least one set of parents. Neither one of you wants to hang around them. Um, but But you see... They need to see your joy. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let them see that you and your wife have a relationship because of your intimacy with the Lord that they don't have. And then as it relates to your wife, if if uh, she's okay with you not wanting to hang around your parents, but she says, no, but we're going to hang around my parents, then there's 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 a double standard that's going on there. So here's the thing. If they're not in sin, love them. Don't get involved in the conversations. Just let them see that your walk with the Lord is something that they're missing out on. And and constantly be praying. And Paula, at this point, with the, the, the tension that I feel in this, this email, mm-hmm. um, um, their prayers can't even be heard because they're praying for the wrong motive. Yeah. Yep. As I'm reading the thing, I'm like, get off the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Personally, get off the chat. Yeah, and and you're right. It should be individual, but it sounds like this has been going on for a long time, and that all of these things that are in this email have been said before. And so, what's the point? Really, what's the point? And if I like, you know, when we say professing Christians, if they're not acting like Christians, you you always say treat them like Christ- like they're not. Which is, yeah, but, but that's sin. I'm talking about sin. Really, yeah. that you know, if somebody's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. There's there's sin in their life, mm-hmm. and then you treat them like an unbeliever. That's right. But that's that's to win them to Christ, not to say yes. Get out of my face, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. Scroll that up for me just a little bit, babe. Um, she says um, she's sending out scriptures every day. That's serving. If she's sending out scriptures to her grandkids, that's a good thing. I need to do that a little bit more myself, actually. Um, but if they're, if they're, the parents are causing trouble, um, that's that's on you guys, because a husband and wife, should, they've left the parents, and they should cleave to one another. Yeah, and, and this husband and wife needs to be united in this. And yeah. you can't, you can't say to a wife who loves her family, you can't say, well, because they're not, they're they're lukewarm. I just don't want to hang around them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's that that speaks to your motive so clearly. And um, again, we can't persuade people to to be obedient, but we can pray for them. Yeah. And and with the animosity that I'm sensing, you in can this, feel it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the first thing that needs to get right is your heart. You know, yeah. you, you've got a, a, a beam in your your eye, yeah. and you're looking for the speck in their eye. Yeah. So this is just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, husbands and wife need to be together in this. Yeah. It's that simple. And um, remember, if if they're you said professing Christians, well, if they're not, and that seems to be what you suggest when you keep saying there's no fruit, mm-hmm. um, then what you do is you simply um, you show them what a fruitful marriage really looks like, and then let the Holy Spirit take over. But but you said your first reason for not wanting to be around them is that they don't listen to or respect us about the Lord. Um, what they think about you doesn't matter. Make them the object of your ministry and instead of letting this tension rise. Now, don't let them um, um, cause division between you and your wife. You and your wife are in the Word. You and your wife are walking after Jesus. But remember, your heart's got to be right. And we, we have a tendency to put people away. In, in the world that we live in, Paul, it's so easy to do over texting or a keyboard of sorts. It, it's it's easy to be really bold and say things that you wouldn't say. And, you know, you, what you got to do is lo- love is kind and it's gentle and it's patient. 
and I don't see gentleness or mm-hmm. kindness mm-hmm. or patience mm-hmm. in in this. So this is a test of your faith mm-hmm. and your obedience. This is a test of the unity in your own marriage. And maybe it's time for you to say to your wife, again, I'm assuming no sin, or you would have pointed it out. If they're not in sin, then, you know, maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I, I, I want I want to be in heaven with your parents and, and tell your wife, uh, I'm really sorry. And you need to get off of your sort of self-righteous horse. Yeah, yeah that's what it sounds like. You know, I'm uh, I'm dealing tomorrow night in Philippians 1, Paul, with the passage of Scripture that as you read it to me, I keep telling you, this is the hardest thing in the New Testament for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's Paul saying... Whether from false motives or true. Yeah, well, he's in jail. There's people who are preaching the gospel. And he says, some of them are preaching with the pure heart. Others are preaching out of selfish ambition or envy, mm-hmm. at, supposing they could stir up trouble for me. Mm-hmm. And then he says this, but what does it matter? I rejoice that Christ is being preached. Yeah. And um, we need to get to that place where what God wants is more important than what we want. And, you know, I'm not there when somebody is preaching Christ with the wrong motives and for the wrong reasons or because of selfish ambition. You know, I want them just to shut up. Mm -hmm. And, And Paul says, well, you know, the Holy Spirit can use the word going out properly even from an unclean vessel. And then I have to remember sometimes I'm I'm an unclean vessel. And, and in a case like this, um, you know, God bless your wife for being about her parents. But remember, it's the husband and the wife. Paul said, leave and cleave. And Paula, you said, get off of these chats. Get off the chats. Don't. Christians. Yeah. And nobody listens to me. I know. Nobody listens I do to me. sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> no, there's there's zero benefit, mm-hmm. zero benefit from engaging these conversations uh, on a chat group yeah. or Facebook or any other social media forum. Mm-hmm. There is zero benefit. People say, no, well, but we can keep in touch. We, no, but, but remember, if you're not motivated by love, you'll just make a noise. Yeah. And it says that number three, we never talk about Jesus when we were with them. They probably don't want to talk about Jesus with you anymore, you know, because it's, it's not fun and it's not loving. It's more like you got to do this or else who wants to be around that. Yeah. And if you're going to talk about Jesus and you know, Paula, if we, it doesn't matter where we go, we're going to talk about Jesus and nobody can tell me not to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not trying to fix them. We're not trying to fix them. We're just trying to introduce them to Jesus and lead them to Christ. A couple of years ago while on vacation, that's what I came back with from the Lord. He says, Paula, take the pressure off of yourself of trying to fix people. Make sure they know I love them. And this doesn't sound like much love. Yeah. So that's what I would suggest. Every time I I preach, Paul, every time I go to the pulpit, um, my overriding... Um, goal is is that people would see how much God loves them, and then that I'm, as I'm the messenger, mm-hmm. how much I love God, yeah. who loves them. Yeah. So that's and important. especially you know Thanksgiving is coming up, and then Christmas, and so this sounds like we're not going to spend time with them. So we're not going to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas, and 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 just the tension of it all is just going to be ruined. Mm-hmm. The tension doesn't have to be there. One final really thought, doesn't. anonymous. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. She wants to be with her parents, family time. She wants you to be kind to her parents. Give yourself up. And that's how you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's how your heart will change. Yeah. If you don't want to hang out with your parents, that's that's on you. But remember, God loves them. And... Um, just because they're not meeting your standard, isn't it? Isn't it grateful? Aren't we grateful that we don't have to meet anybody's standard but Jesus? Yeah. And He's the one who will draw them in. And if they don't, you know, we just heard um, one teaching programs driving in here today about the 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 wicked the wicked lazy student or servant yeah, right. yeah. who who um, hid his talent because you're a harsh man and mm-hmm. and and. Um, you know, that will be their end when they stand before Jesus. Uh, he'll say, you wicked, lazy servant. Mm-hmm. And he's able to deal with 
the people he loves. Yeah. So, Paula, here's a question that just came in the other also from Margaret. Says Pastor Ron, I need you. I heard you the other day about pastors' kids. Can I have your advice? My husband and I have a 16-year-old daughter. It's his stepdaughter, but he's raised her for five years. Uh, we live according to the Bible, but my rebellious daughter does not want to. She did not want to follow the rules, and so she decided to leave the house and moved in with my mom. Wow. My husband is giving me grief about our daughter coming home and feels like my mom is preventing our daughter from coming home. My mom allows her to be more free. I tell my husband to allow our daughter to stay with my mom. And if she wants to not follow my mom's rules, that's for my mom to deal with. My husband wants her to come home so we can reconcile and she can face the consequences. Um, Margaret, then she asked, what are my thoughts? Um, Paul, you're a mom, so I'm interested in your thoughts as well. But the first thing I would say is a 16-year-old should not have the freedom to decide whether or not she's going to live by the rules. Yeah. Period. I, I, I For the life of me, I never understand this. I, I do understand, Margaret, that uh, there's rebellion and, and, and uh, you know, our, our kids are raised to feel like they've got freedom and they've got a room and they can do what they want. Um, your 16-year-old stepdaughter has no rights in your home. And um, it sounds to me like you and your husband are not on the same page. I, I would I would also think the best place for it is to be back with you. But this is where you and your husband need to get together. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And this is where you say, if she comes back, she has to follow the rules. And and why she would be allowed to be with your mom, um, um, and and to live a godless life, um, I just I wouldn't give her that that option. This is your home. These are the rules, and you're going to have to grin and bear it for at least two years because until you're 18, you're stuck with us. Mm-hmm. But this is a house that belongs to Jesus, and that means you're going to go to church, and that means you're going to be kind, and you're going to be um, polite. Uh, and you're going to do your homework, and you're going to, you're going to contribute to the house. Uh, these are the rules, and you have no right to make another rule. And that sounds like your husband has a soft spot in his heart for this girl. All he has to do is redirect that soft spot to understand that Jesus's way is the only way, the only hope that this girl has, and she needs to come in and know she's loved. Love has boundaries. Love disciplines. Um, but but she's going to understand that the home belongs to Jesus and you're not going to allow her to drive a wedge between um, your husband and you. And we love you. This is the way it's going to be. You're 16. If you don't like it, just bear with it. I've told kids that, you know, for the next two years, your life can be a living hell mm-hmm. or it can be full of joy. Yeah. You get to decide. And for 18, when you get to be 18, then you can make your own choices, and then you're on your own. And then to, to go to your mom's house or anybody else's defeats the point. When they want to act like an adult, we got to give them the opportunity to do that. And that means they're going to suffer consequences. Yeah. And that, yeah, I, I, I'm confused by the whole thing, too. So, yeah, your daughter needs to be home. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But don't you want her to be saved? And... As a Christian couple, um, she needs to see Jesus. She needs to see that there's consistency, um, that you and your husband are on the same page. And your mom also needs to be um, told this will not happen again. If she comes to your house, she's not staying there. You send her right back home um, because you guys all need to be on the same page together. This young girl... Um, our, my mom was allowed to leave the home and live with another family at age 13. My mom was a hot mess. Um, for her whole life. For her whole life. But her parents got tired of her and allowed her to go and live with this other family. And she was like their live-in maid. That did not help my mom at all. She got worse, not better. She didn't. She didn't know she was loved. And so this girl has two more years with you. Um, she's only been five years, so since, what, 11 or 12, she came into your house. And so uh, she doesn't know there's stability. 
And she needs the boundaries to say, I love you, and we're not going to let you live like this. We're going to make you into it, hopefully try to make you into a good citizen, somebody that um, the world can respect, and you can respect yourself. We'd love to lead you to Jesus, but that's a choice you have to make. But we are going to teach you how to be a good citizen and and a rule follower. And if, if that doesn't work for you, then at 18 you go make your own choices and you suffer the consequences. But to allow this girl to be more free at your mom's house, uh, none of this makes sense to me. Why Mm -hmm. why a 16 year old is, is calling the shots. Mm -hmm. So um, I halfway agree with your husband. She needs to come home, but there needs to be discipline. There needs to be direction. And she needs to understand that she is a 16 year old who contributes nothing financially to the house. She eats, yeah. she sleeps, yeah. and and uh, they're going to follow the rules. Yeah. By the way, if if uh, this whole idea when when uh, teenagers have their own room and parents aren't allowed to go in there, that just makes no sense, no sense. at all to uh-uh, me. No. Take the door off yeah. if that's what you have to do. Yeah. But remember, it's your home, and in your home you serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be according to his rules. It's yeah. not your rules. It's according to his rules. Mm-hmm. And this is where the husband and the wife need to come together because the the enemy is going to use this girl to drive a wedge between this godly marriage and and we just can't let that happen yeah. you know paula um i'll turn it over to you for the rest of the time that <coughs> we have but the um um gives me an opportunity to, to remind the audience on Saturday the 19th, mm-hmm. is it the 19th? Yes. On Saturday the 19th, I, I do a pastor's discipleship class every two weeks, every other Saturday. And on Saturday the 19th, I've asked my two youth pastors, Pastor Matthew and Pastor Chris, uh, to take the class. And we're inviting parents to come and hear um, youth pastors Tell moms and dads, these are the things that we're dealing with. These are the questions that we're answering. This is the counsel that we're giving. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you need to be aware of this. So it's a really great opportunity to, to, um, even if you don't come to this church, to to understand the hearts, the the minds, the motivation of your teenagers and and how these godly young men uh, that are their youth pastors deal with it. And I think this will be very helpful to parents if they will come and listen. But they've got to be willing to invest mm-hmm. in... See, that's the thing. This is a, his stepdaughter. His stepdaughter. Not... This isn't her mom. This isn't his real daughter. It's... She belongs to nobody in this house. Bloodline. And so, wow. What has she gone through? What has she seen and heard? And... Everybody's kind of given up on her. And, um, yeah, so these Christian parents, even though <laughs> there's steps, um, you got an opportunity. It just sounds like an adopted child who's troubled. Blended families have challenges for yeah, sure. Yeah. Paula, we're now inside about four minutes, so what do you want to share as we get ready to close off? Well, I would ask for prayer because I'm getting ready to go to Houston, and I wasn't going to even ask, but now that I have five minutes, three minutes, I can ask. Um, Going to Houston uh, to teach their Tuesday night women's Bible study, and they're going through Psalms. And so somebody else is doing, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, He leads me beside quiet waters. Mine is God of restoration. He restores my soul. And so, of course, I'm going to talk about, it's David who's written this psalm. And so um, I'm talking about the God of restoration. You know, you can really mess up. But if you'll be like David um, after his sins, this man after God's own heart who was, I'm so thankful that the Lord didn't hide that stuff in his word. This guy messed up a lot, and yet a man after God's own heart. Not only did he, you know, cheat with uh, Bathsheba, killed her husband, then he he numbered the troops, collected horses, had too many wives, um, terrible father, and yet a man after God's own heart. And and he'll be Israel's prince, just God of restoration. But what did David do? He, when he was convicted, he would acknowledge 
renew within me a right heart, restore yeah. unto me the joy of my salvation. Yeah. yeah. And that's what God did. Yeah. I like Psalm 23 because it's it's people don't really understand it. David wrote that as an old man looking back on the life of a faithful God in spite of all of his unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. And at, at, it's basically David bragging about his shepherd. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. He's like I'm a big fat sheep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all the other sheep, they're scrawny and there's little wolves prowling around all the time. Mm-hmm. But my shepherd has me protected. Yeah. And even when I didn't feel protected, I look back now and God was always there. What's the song that we sing? His goodness is running, running after me. Running after me. Yeah. Running after and, me. That's right. That's basically what Psalm 23 is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, David just says he's bragging. About his shepherd, yeah. I got the best. Yeah, and if you if you, you can be one of those straggly, skinny sheep if you want to, <laughs> but I like being a big old fat sheep, and my shepherd loves me and protects me. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. So, what you're but teaching Tuesday night? I'm teaching Tuesday okay. night. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of the ladies are going to go with me. We'll leave Tuesday morning. So, travel mercies to get there, for one thing. Um, Find a, a decent place for gluten-free eaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then to speak with, you know, some intelligence and encouraging the ladies there. And then Travel Mercies back home. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hey, remember, tomorrow we will not be live because of the holiday. Find a veteran. Go out of your way to tell them thank you and is a witnessing opportunity to say, God bless you mm-hmm. for the sacrifices you made. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We'll be back live on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.